welcome to the Florida Peanut Podcast. I'm Noah Walker with All Things Visual and joining me in studio today, as always, or as most times, we have Miss Laura Fowler-Goss, the Executive Director and Fearless Leader of the Florida Peanut Federation. And on the phone today and through Zoom, we have Mr. Barrett Young, who is a recent grad of Brantford, the Brantford Area FFA, and was a State Vice President for Area 2, which is Pretty impressive from the sounds yeah. of it. Oh, absolutely. Um, Mr. Barrett, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, like you said, I was pretty involved in FFA. Uh, I did get to serve in 2021 to 2022 as a Area 2 State Vice President. Uh, it was a unique year, I'll say that, because we were kind of in our full bounce back from the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and being able to go back and do everything that we got to do pre-COVID was an amazing experience and kind of the reason why I wanted to be a state officer. Very, very cool. So Barrett, when we have recorded these podcasts with other FFA chapters, um, we got the students to introduce themselves with a fun fact. So what, what's yours? What's your Jeopardy fact, brother? <laughs> uh, my Jeopardy fact is probably I'm a huge Mountain Dew addict. Uh, I should probably lay off of them, but you know, the stress of being a college student, surprisingly, instead of keeping me hyper, it kind of calms me down at times. Well, you, you're one of those special people. One of those. It also calms me down to the point where it puts me in a nap, but that's because of the high content of sugar. Oh, yeah. Nothing, nothing calming about it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my granddaddy used to drink Diet Mountain Dew. What a horrible tasting liquid. Well, Ew. Yeah. I might not have well, sugar. It's for your time. And are you are you really just getting out of class today and you're joining us from UF campus? Uh, I'm actually in a very special situation. So my classes are early in the mornings. That's just the way I like to get stuff done early. That way I have the rest of the day. Uh, but no, currently right now, I'm actually in the Alpha Gamma Rho fraternity and I live in-house here on campus. So I, it's maybe yeah. a 15 minute walk to my classes in the morning from here. Wow. That early to rise. Never forget it. Kids, um, late to bed, early to rise. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> kids, yeah, for college kids, know. maybe not so much the Benjamin Franklin way. Yeah, <laughs> very similar yeah. to an FFA year. Yeah, yeah. So, so you were obviously highly involved, and um, do you anticipate remaining? involved in FFA in some way going forward or or tell, tell us about your your schooling that you have lined up and then your future beyond that just a little bit so as for staying involved uh, I always when people ask me questions about how I got my involvement or how it first began I mean it is the reason why I do decide to stay involved uh, my mom is an agriculture advisor uh, she's been teaching for over 20 years and give you kind of a scale I'm 19 years old so longer than I've been alive but uh that's kind of where I got my first connection with it and I wasn't forced to join or nothing like that but you know being able to kind of like I guess live up to that reputation and try to you know stand for the values that she stands for and what we get out of it I think that's kind of yeah. like where I try to establish my vocal point as for staying involved uh every past state officer does try to help out at convention uh, come mm -hmm. summer and try to work out and volunteer. So I do see myself anticipating to volunteer for that. Um, for my schooling, uh, there's connections I've built from it, especially with like uh, Dr. Charlotte Emerson through FFA, uh, who now helps us out here at the University of Florida. Uh, uh -huh. I also received 
scholarship uh, through multiple scholarships through FFA that helps pay for my schooling as well. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you mentioned that you were um, in your leadership role in such a transformational time uh, through FFA. So in, in how FFA morphed a little bit through that time as well. So what what does the near future and maybe give us a projection of the far future for FFA? How do you think this can continue to change? Um, and what do you what do you see happening there? Then before you answer, Barrett, let's give Noah a little background. Girls were not always allowed. And in some, just like Rotary, and in some year, somewhere along the line, um, there was like a Black Farmers of America that merged (laughs) with the Future Farmers of America. And then further beyond that, Future Farmers of America um, was transformed into the National FFA organization since the emphasis is is on growing the whole person and not just growing the crops and livestock. Right. So um, there's there's been some highly significant changes. But Barrett, when you introduced yourself and you said that you were um, in the pivotal year right there after COVID, one of the other episodes, the girl said that she did some virtual contest in 2020 and 2021. So, so talk to us about that a little bit, and then going forward, what you what you think FFA has to look forward to, and maybe even some obstacles for the future as things progress. Um, as for the values of FFA, especially at our state association, and I imagine it's the same way with the national FFA association. Uh, I'll say this, it's very relatable to my personality and the fact that it's very adaptable. It finds a way to make it happen. Um, We did have a lot with that COVID pandemic. So during the outbreak, I mean, I was competing in contests, but like the other FFA member had mentioned, sometimes those contests were virtual. And Mm -hmm. I, I understand the need for virtual and for safety and everything. But at times for me, I feel like I lose that hands on aspect but it was necessary for us to continue and for the student to get the most out of it. You know, not every student's from rural Brantford, Florida, where, you know, I graduated with a class of 94 kids versus uh, down South in Orlando, where a student might graduate with 6,000 kids in a graduating class. They don't get the same environment. Um, And we were very adaptable even during my year. I mean, the COVID outbreak was by no means is gone, but being able to, you know, work around that and provide the same opportunity to every student and try to create a fair contest. I feel that's what we try to do at the state association while I was there and being behind the scenes and seeing how everything runs. Um, I feel like a lot of credits owed to them in that fact and the amount of work that they put in. Uh, it's the same way with national FFA during my state office year, we had the opportunity to, you know, go to California for what we were supposed to be called an internet international leadership state officer summit. But we were intended to go to Costa Rica, but with regulations, we got changed to um, go to California. And so for the national FFA level, they found a way to adapt and get us all there. And so we got the most out of that trip. Uh, as for the future, I, I think it's very much continue along the idea of adaptability. We are getting back into uh, the focus of in-person contest. And we have seen a lot of evolution over the years to our organization through the NFA merger and allowing women to join our association. And I, I think that we continue along that aspect to continue to evolve. So that way we involve everyone. And I mean, we are the largest student organization. We're close to over 900,000 students being involved. And I think that speaks to the true testament of where we have grown. 
over 900,000. We are very close to that mark. I wonder how many actual students are in this. Many. It's around, I think the number they announced was around 890,000. Um, but one of the things we've seen from our state association was when COVID hit, we took a big hit in our membership. And even this past year with my state officer team, we were able to grow our, our membership numbers over 6,000. And that's without every school being, um, trying to think of the word for it. Uh, it'll come to me in a minute, but pretty much where all their membership dues are paid for. And yeah. uh, as long as the students enrolled in that class, I'm trying to think of the word yeah. it's blanking on me. Yeah, I know what you're talking about because there's a special award for chapters who mm -hmm. have 100% membership among the students in the ag classes. That is that is correct. And like I said, it it's that's it used to be throughout the state when we got the Title A funding, um, you know, the entire uh, as long as your students were in an agriculture class, everyone was involved. And so we're everyone was kind of set on that number. That's a lot of students, but then when that title a funding didn't come through the next year and we dropped uh everyone was trying to figure out how many kids are not involved but it wasn't that we lost the classroom it was the funding wise for it got it i think i read on the florida ffa website there's like thirty thousand or so members in florida but and that, that's be a, go ahead awful My lot bad. more in other states that i mean to equal 890,000 members that's that's really incredible across the nation and, and when you said you know the values won't change I thought that was really a key point the values don't change it's just the way that we reach the benchmarks and the way the goals are met mm -hmm. that that really has to be flexible that that's cool yeah and well, we get to meet with these students, students. go ahead uh, we get to meet with students, like I said, during that state officer year from all across. Uh, I got to interact with the majority of our members come from Texas and California. And uh, oh. like like I said, we got to interact with them. Georgia's another big contributor. Um, and, you know, getting to interact with those people and realizing that, you know, we may not come from the same background or have the same like hobbies and everything. But the fact that we're all connected through the same organization and that those ideals and uh, our principles are all come from this central idea or this central organization that's developing better people and that's why i, I kind of like transitioning from ffa to you know where i'm at now involved in the alpha gamma fraternity because our part of our motto is to make better men and um to see that and i think ffa is along the lines of just to make better people in general and basically yep. build that foundation that's right i'm coming back to the numbers right so if you think about 50 states and each state having to carry so many to reach that 90,000. We have probably double our fair share um, from Florida. If we have 30 yeah. some odd thousand yeah. or close to it. Um, let me ask you a question. So you study agribusiness, correct? Is that is that what I got from you at the beginning of this? Essentially. So like I said, the degree is ag operations management, and I'm doing an agribusiness concentration. So it's mm. trying to keep that diversity, but also being able to have that focus in agribusiness because that's kind of what I want to do in my future. Yeah, great. But so with that, you're seeing a lot of ways uh, in agricultural operations, I would imagine there are a lot of changes and a lot of new technologies that mm -hmm. you're learning yeah. and new techniques and, and really just new wave agriculture that you're learning through that education that you're getting, whether it's your first year or your second year in that currently. But 
my my thoughts come back to FFA and how that kind of education, those subjects play back into what the Future Farmers of America organization is doing. And they do a lot of these competitions. So what are some of the competitions that you could see arising? You know, there, Ooh, there are good question. There are these uh, like drone um, drone technology is fascinating to me, but there are these uh, drone racing uh, exhibitions all over the place. I don't imagine the FFA would get into those, but what? maybe there's there's self-propelled drones that monitor the feet. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe there maybe there are timing um, there are timing or mapping uh, um, competitions. What are some of the what are some of the competitions that you could see arising out of new technologies or uh, things of that nature going forward with FFA? So I'm just trying to understand. Was your lack like asking like the new technologies that can be developed in the contest? Was that yeah, kind of so when I was in FFA, there was no food science competition. Yeah. And I think it's really cool that there is now. And, and I'm sure that's not the only one. There was no um discussion me, there was no mm -hmm. um ad communications. So Noah's question is um into the future of the FFA, what sort of contest do you think will be developed? because of of need base and because of the emerging technologies in the new wave of agriculture because as a student you're being taught everything uh -huh. that's in the pulse stream of agriculture or uh -huh. you should be right so the uh with some of those things in over the last 20 years communication has evolved Boy. tremendously you couldn't have had ag or ffa um competitions on ag communication at the same level that you can right. have them today you right. just can't reach the people right. 20 years ago that you could today it would be writing a press release that would be that would be the ag communication um uh, competition yeah. now you put together whole marketing plans for a product or several products or a line of products so what does what are some of the developments that you're seeing with your thumb on the pulse as a student um maybe it's in technology maybe it's in um best manager yeah, who does whatever who do, what, what do you think i want so, your thoughts on this parent one of the one of the big things that i'm a big advocate for within you know ffa and the competitions that are provided uh i mean i used to get a little little bit of picked on from my friends whenever i was in high school but i was a big science nerd and uh, mm -hmm. i think the science fair was a great way to you know some of those kids that have access to some of that newer technology are wanting to see how it works uh mm -hmm. they can provide that i mean not every student has access to like an aerator, but I figured during one year that I actually made it to nationals with my science project was applying an aerator to the water and seeing how it affects the lettuce growth. And, you know, that's just stuff that, you know, innovative students will come up with and find all kinds of different ways. But we mentioned the food science contest and uh, some of the newer contests that I've established. I'm a big ag business contest kid. I never got to compete into it myself, but I always watch my mom train teams and to be able to see them make it to nationals this past year was truly something special and something that she has worked for, um, for multiple years. Uh, but you know, I think that we also look at some of the older contests and how we evolve from them too. So we're seeing a whole new wave of, uh, you mentioned ad communications. The contest is being restructured to fit, you know, innovative ways to be communicators and advocate. Um, there's also multiple different new proficiency awards that wasn't around before as well, like chapter advocacy awards. And I think that's a big yeah. thing. I think that's a big thing to also advocate for is that, uh, you know, it's important that one person be able to establish 
the importance of agriculture, but being able to get your entire chapter on that fact and being able to advocate to a group of people, that's truly something special. Uh, I know Ms. Goss has had the opportunity to participate in it, and I did for multiple years at the Brantford chapter was uh, we had an ag day and being able to teach students and elementary mm-hmm. level about different sectors of agriculture so that when they get to high school, they can kind of pique their interest and see which way they want to lean in. I think that's also something else we see out of newer ag teachers that come out of college today. Uh, as bad as it sounds, I mean, most of the people that we don't want to see go anymore and teaching ag are starting to retire and want to spend time yep. with their family. So we're seeing this new wave of agriculture teachers. And these aren't your typical agriculture teachers either. Some of these students have uh, grown up in areas that maybe weren't as you know profound in agricultural production as we are in a rural community. But um, the quality that you're seeing from these newer teachers, they're winning contests or training these kids. And, you know, you see unlikely contest winners that surprise you. Uh, by no means is she a newer ag teacher, but one of the big shockers of me and that I was extremely proud of was uh, her was down south in Orlando Colonial chapter when they won the livestock competition for state and went to the nationals. Um Little did I think, you know, Orlando Colonial, you know, who's in the middle of Orlando, the heart of Orlando, comes out and wins the livestock evaluation contest. Like, yeah. in what sense you would think, oh, well, if people that grow up on farms should be winning that contest, and here they are shocking the world by doing that. And um, as for the future, like I said, it's just seeing what students' interests are. I mean, it's an evolving organization. We're going to uh, make contests to pique students' interest. And, um, I think that benefit is from finding where they come from, what their interests are, and how they plan on evolving agriculture in the future. Very, very cool. So this past state convention was my first opportunity to judge that judge the agri-science fair and it was so encouraging to see the effort that went into those projects and when you mentioned that I thought you know to see the pattern behind those projects and the categories that they're in what a fantastic opportunity to glean that data to find contests that are fitting in with the projects students are already doing and and you know that was kind of a light bulb moment for me but very cool very cool I, I think the the future is bright and it's not something that we're going to see dwindle down anytime soon. Um, I am encouraged that FFA will be around when Amory is in middle school and high school and, <laughs> and hopefully far, far beyond that. You know, I mean, some things get so antiquated that they become obsolete and FFA is not in that situation. So that's it, wonderful. It seems like it's got a, a good core to it, and those are are the good values that it teaches students. And we've we've heard values unsolicited and solicited over the several episodes that we've yep. done for FFA Week. So I'm going to put that question to you, Barry. What are some values that you learned um, in FFA, or what are some that you think that uh, students will develop in the future? Uh, one of the things I like to, you know, I think FFA is good at developing those those things that uh, those qualities that kids also didn't know that they have I mean we're like I said preparing them for the next part of their life and teaching them these important values but some of these values I've seen in my everyday life with my parents and my family you know establishing honesty trust or honesty integrity um, being a hard worker being dedicated and a lot of those qualities you see 
at the next level. You ask someone that's where they're at and they, they say they were involved in FFA in high school. They were involved in this contest and this contest and it taught them this, or they had a really good ag advisor. And I, I think it's truly something special just seeing what kind of quality people that you put out of FFA. And I think that's uh, established through our, through our model, the practice brotherhood, honor agricultural opportunities and responsibilities and develop those qualities of leadership. And I think that's what we get out of this organization is building tomorrow's leaders today. And so uh, I think it goes back to building that, that character for people and wanting to uh, make them better people for, for themselves and for the people around them. Oh, my heart just got real warm. Hopefully. Hopefully in building those those leaders, the leaders will become practical leaders going to making policy decisions yes. with those good values. Help us. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I, that, that was my take on. So Barrett, thank you for joining us. Uh, you've been a, a great wealth of information and, and recent knowledge here in FFA yes. and knowledge, of course, from one of the best institutions uh, mm-hmm. in the state of Florida, the University of Florida. So That's it, everybody. Uh, Thank you for joining us again for the Florida Peanut Podcast. I'm Noah Walker with All Things Visual Marketing here out of North Central Florida. Joined with me in studio by Laura Fowler-Goss, Executive Director and Fearless Leader of the Florida Peanut Federation. And we were joined by a recent state vice president for Area 2, Barrett Young, uh, who talked with us today about the future of FFA and its recent past. So thank you, Barrett. I hope you have a wonderful day. And I hope everybody else has a wonderful day as well. Thank you.